everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bazaar. I'm your host. And if you like what we're doing on this podcast, please show some love and share it with your friends and family and tell the story of all the food entrepreneurs that are on here, uh, food and beverage. And today I have with me my loving and awesome significant other and co-host, Deborah Micus. Hello. And today we'll be interviewing Lauren Janice of the Big Daddy Biscuit Company. How are you doing today, Lauren? I'm wonderful. And how are you guys doing? Great. We're doing great. So this is unusual for us because we're actually taking a step forward, but I in a different direction. But I want everyone to understand that dog food and cat food and, and any animal food of any sort goes through the same regulatory compliance and same in kitchens and things like that as human food. So I want to, this is a great episode. You're our first pet food, pet treat uh, company that's on here. So you're number one pet food right now. <laughs> uh, we haven't had it or even nice. had any more lined up. So pretty exciting, but really the importance of it and why we were like, yes, we want them on is really because there's so many similarities between the way pet food is being done now and the health and the nutrition and all that. And, and, the regulatory compliance of all of it as what's being done in, in human food, for lack of a better term. So, Lauren, how did you get into uh, doing dog biscuits? It's actually kind of, um, it's a very interesting story because after I um, had a career working for the airlines, I was doing human resources. I was laid off from my job. And unfortunately, my father passed away right after that happened, and then um, I just didn't know what to do. And that was a, a the, the economy was tanking at that time. It was two thousand eight, two thousand nine. So I was doing some odd jobs. I helped my mom move down to Atlanta, and I sat in the driveway with my eight year old nieces, niece and nephew. They're twins, and I asked them what I should do with my life, and they literally told me I should go and make dog biscuits. And I've never before. I've never cooked. It wasn't my thing. And I said, I do this, what should I call it? And my dog, Big Daddy, who was rescued off the streets here in Atlanta, Georgia, they said Big Daddy Biscuits. So the next day, I literally went out and bought a mixer, and I haven't looked back. And so had you ever done, had you make dog biscuits on your own before? Was it something that you... No. Nope. Sorry. (laughs) No, no. I'm just curious because it's, uh, it's unique. So... Tell me about that. So you're like, okay, I'm going to go start do- making dog biscuits. This is the direction I'm going in. How did you figure out recipes? How did you figure out what worked? I mean, there's obvious, how did you find a kitchen? I mean, so there's all these steps that you now need to take to get this thing off the ground. Yeah, it was crazy. So what I did is I started in my home. I've never baked before. I mean, I baked doing my normal stuff. You know, I love baking for the Jewish holidays. I love baking for my, I usually have a, uh, once a month dinner for my friends, but I've never thought about making a product to sell. And so it was scary, but I didn't think twice about it. I just did it. And um, so, like I said, I started in the house. I just did some research. I have a lot of friends in the pet industry that own um, pet stores. So I talked to them as well. And then I decided I was looking at what was going on in my um, community as well. And everyone's, you know, farm to table, this farm to table that so I coined ourselves as a, a farm to table dog biscuit because I try to source as many ingredients from local farmers as I can um so if I know 
just for me, knowing where my food comes, I want to know, I want to know where my dog's food comes from as well. Because there are so many issues coming out of China with, you know, salmonella and people not using right foods. So, and Big Daddy was our, my, my big test dog. So, you know, <laughs> and he was very particular as well. That's cool. I, li- I like the idea of farm to table, but maybe it should be farm to bowl. <laughs> I know. And actually, that's our new thing where it's far. Well, and then I don't know because it's not going, the dog treats aren't going in the bowl. They're going oh, in their good mouth. Point. So it's like, right. So I'm, I'm like on the fence with that, but I totally know what, I mean, I've, I know what you're saying. Or how about, so, farm, you know, to, how about farm to Fido? Or farm to Fang. <laughs> Oh, see? Yeah, we've got, we've got all sorts of ideas. Here. I know. You, you should be <laughs> I'm careful. I'm sure you'll we're, do. We're both very creative. We'll come up with some crazy ideas if you allow us to. I we'll love get it. totally distracted on this podcast of so coming up with names and mottos. So, from there, I mean, so you mentioned bringing it from the farm and sourcing your ingredients. Do you actually go out and source the ingredients then yourself? Well, I have built. So, okay, when you were saying looking for kitchens and going, I'm going to go back for just a quick second. So I was really lucky when I started, um, you know, knowing some people here in Atlanta. So I was able to use their, their spaces. So like um, High Road Craft Ice Cream, they had a space um, that had where their space was. There was an additional space and they allowed me to use it to produce our kit, to, to produce our product. Um, as I said, I started in my house, but you can't do it's It's illegal. You can't do it on the basis. Uh, you can't do it on the um legally make like you can have cottage licenses to make jellies and jams and certain things in your home. You can't do that for dog biscuits. So once I established myself there and then I needed to grow, I have now um, using, it's called Prep Atlanta and it's an incubator for, for kitchen, for small businesses. So there's caterers there. There's, um, you know, everyone. I'm the only dog biscuit person there and I hope to be that same person there. So, Lauren, explain to us a little bit how that works with the prep kitchen. Do you have to schedule time, and how do you come in? And then, you, obviously, you have to bring in employees. So, how you know how often do you produce, and how much do you produce in that time frame? Oh, my gosh, it's crazy. So, when I very first started, my dearest friend moved back to Atlanta, and there was a two of us that were producing at High Road Craft Ice Cream in their space. And then, as I grew, and I grew, and I went to prep, um, yes, I do have to schedule time there. I have to schedule, um, what it, the way it works is you buy hours. So you can get anything from 30 hours up to 120. And then after that, then they, they make custom plans for you. Um, and you have space and then you get to, you schedule your equipment that you need. And right now I have four employees in the kitchen baking biscuits and it's pretty amazing when I stand back and look at everyone doing it, um, I never thought that I would be an employer and I'd be making, you know, payroll checks. That's not who I was. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it's a big step for sure. It's huge. huge. And it's like my mom, my mom, she's inspector number eight. <laughs> yeah. She tells us that so we dock all of our dog biscuits so that air holes go out of the, out of the dough. So if she tells us if something doesn't look right, which is amazing, um, to have her second, her third or fourth eyes on it, but she, but the kitchen, it's a great space for us. But yes, we have so we have four employees, and we yesterday we were in the kitchen. So we're in the kitchen three days a week and seven hours a day when we're there. And so yesterday we used um, two hundred pounds of flour wow. to produce biscuits. 
So that's a lot. And so do you have to form each one or do you have a mold or how do you guys do that? We literally hand press every single solitary biscuit. Oh my God. Talk about some TLC and your dog biscuit. Yes. So when people ask what my dog, it's like we hear so many times, my dog's really picky. My dog doesn't like it. I swear to you, they'll take it. And it is really, they're made with so much love that I can't stand it. I mean, it's, and everyone is touched by human hands. There's four processes in our, when we're doing it, but everyone touches a biscuit. That's which so is cool. great. And so how many flavors do you have, or is it one standard flavor? So we started off with one, which is our signature crunchy peanut butter biscuit. And now we make four <laughs> flavors. That so actually we, sounds uh, like it could be a cookie for humans, but <laughs> go on. <laughs> well, see, ironic that you said that because we have, um, have people eat our biscuits and say that they're, they're edible because we you know, everything that we use is human grade food. Right. There's nothing in it that you can't eat. You can turn, like if you go to the store and you turn the back of the package, you can read every ingredient that we use. So our grain free peanut butter is garbanzo flour, peanut butter, banana, and cinnamon. And that's it. It's a hundred percent organic. I mean, that's healthier it's, than um, what some people eat. Yeah. And that's, it is. and that's a treat. Right, it's a treat. Right. And, and so you guys have to do nutritionals, correct, on your packaging the same as on human food? Yes. So we only have to, we have um, to do four, we do our a guaranteed analysis after four things, which is our, um, the protein, the fat, fiber, and moisture. So once we have those four elements, we, like we make it, we send it off to a, um, a testing facility and they give us that information back. And then we send it up to the Department of Ag. And, and then real we're quickly, I mean, obviously dogs vary in size, but like what do they use as the standard measurement of calories a, a day for a dog and protein a day for a dog? Do they have a standard kind of like that you have to do your percentage of? Or You know, I, I don't know, and I haven't even thought of that. Because <laughs> the thing is with calories, I mean, well, the thing is, is someone's like, oh, my dog's fat. Well, you need to walk your dog. Right. They need exercise. You know, don't think it's just... Right. It's like the treats are not the things that are going to get your, you know, of course, if you eat a lot of anything, it's going to be too much. Of course. But you're in control of your, you know, just like <laughs> yourself and your own body, you're in control of what you put into your dog's mouth. Right. right. So, so I, I, kinda inter- I had kind of interrupted you because I got off on a tangent there, but I was asking you about the flavors. So I wanted to hear the rest of them. I think we only got to the one, the peanut butter crunch. So we, and then we have our grain-free peanut butter. Uh-huh. That's the one with the garbanzo. We have a turkey bacon, and then we have one that's called a dinner mint, and that's actually my favorite one because what it does, it um, has activated charcoal, so it's going to absorb the toxins from the body. It's going to help with gassy moments. It's going to help with the breath, and it's going to help with um, your your dog's belly. Right. Your popular dog biscuit. So I want to ask you, so I know what it takes to develop a recipe for when we're doing it for a client or you know, coming up with a product in our own kitchens. But how does that process go when you're doing it for a dog? Do you have the dogs sample it or do you guys actually sample it? How do you go through and say, yeah, this is the recipe? I test, I taste every biscuit. And at the time, Big Daddy was my sampler. Um, Unfortunately, he has crossed, as I call it, the biscuit bridge. And so he is not the one anymore, unfortunately, but he's watching over us every day. And I have my friend's dogs test them for me which is awesome right. and some dogs you know people 
dogs don't like everything. People say dogs, but dogs are like, my favorite thing to say is dogs are like people. We don't like everyone and everything. Right. You know, and that is the truth. So I'll give it to several different dogs to see what their, you know, what their reaction is, if they like it. We had a girl that did a, um, one of my favorite girls, Amelia in my neighborhood, did a Girl Scout presentation, and she did a testing of which one, if the dogs like the turkey bacon better or the dinner mints better, <laughs> and which ones they preferred. So and it's really that's quite fun. interesting. Yeah. So do you, in that scenario, was she putting like the two different biscuits down on the floor and seeing which one they went to first? Yep. Oh, that's fun. And then, yeah, it was awesome. It was wonderful to see. And so I've never, I mean, I was, it was ingenious that she did that. Right. But of course, they like both of them, but of you know, course. you never know what's going to go, what, you know, what the dog's going to go for first. Right. And some dogs don't like them at all, you right. know, and if I'm at a farmer's market with you, your dog is not going to, may not eat it right then because there's so many elements around right. the, you know, the sounds, the stress, the everything. So take your, take, if your dog doesn't eat it, take it home. I promise you they'll eat it. Right. And that's a good point. I mean, I never really thought about that, but you know, dogs are a little bit overwhelmed when you get into those settings, not to mention, you know, there's typically grills going and all sorts of, you know, scents and aromas for them. Right. And and probably kids petting them all the time. It's probably a little overwhelming for dogs at um, some of those venues. It it is. I mean, I see them. So that's one thing. You know, we started doing our farmer's market, and that's one thing that I have always said. I will ne- Everyone asks, well, and people ask, will you stop doing farmer's markets? And I'm like, no, because I will never forget where I came from. And I started at the Marietta Square Farmer's Market, and I'm starting my 10th year this year, wow. this spring. That's cool. It. And it's a year-round market. And it's amazing. Yeah. But I, tr- I'm, how, so I help with people like, um, when they're going by, like when dogs are meeting and dogs are greeting. So I'm helping to educate people on dog behavior as well, as much as I know. Right. Um, at the same time, but it's, it is a really, int- I've learned so much environment. And I would, I mean, I, I'm just imagining, cause like when I go to farmer's markets, um, you, I would go looking for specific ones. It kind of becomes like your shopping list. You know who's going right. to be there. And so I am imagining after 10 years, it's probably a little bit like a social thing for you as well on the weekends to have people come out. And if you're going to the same one, that seems really cool. Like you probably now know a bunch of your clients and everything. It is, I might have the crappiest day, week, whatever. Right. But when I wake up, Saturday morning at 5:30, and I pack my car up. I know I'm going to be happy because I have, I have, yes, I'm the dogs number one. The people, they're my family. Right. They really care me. I genuinely care about them. Some of them have become employees at farmers markets because, in my opinion, that's your best employee, someone that believes in what you're doing. Right. And I've seen, you know, and I've been able to celebrate you know, birth of family, you know, birth of babies and dogs passing the sadness and everything. So it's, it is, it's one huge family and we're, I'm just, I'm honored to be there. And it's, it's just, it's my happy place. I bet. It sounds like a really fun experience. I mean, I know how I feel when I get to see people that I know at those events. And so I'm sure being on your side, that's really great too. And so, you know, you're giving us a little insight as to sales and how you do that. So you're saying you started with farmer's market and you'll never not do them, but what, what other ways do you get your product out to your clients? 
Well, we're part of CSA's Community Shared um, Agriculture. So the Moore Farm and Friends is one of our biggest clients. We've been with them for eight years, and they have boxes and that they um, put together for people to choose from. They can pick and choose their vegetables, and then they can do add-ons, and our dog biscuits are one of their add-ons. So that's one of them. Um, local bodegas, we have them here. We're in Whole Foods in the southeast region, which is great. And we just did um, we did the Mart in Atlanta, Georgia, and we are now added 50 more stores throughout the United States by doing that. So it's kind of not even going the pet route. I mean, I'm at a whole bunch of pet stores here in Atlanta, right? which is amazing, and my community loves what I'm doing. But I've shied away from the pet community, yeah, the pet stores, because I'm one small thing in a big ocean, as I call it. You know, it's just, it's just there are a lot of choices. So what we've done is we need break. <laughs> we yeah. we've, we've got so the audience dogs knows in honor of this episode, we have our, our dog, Deborah's and I's dog, Brutus, is running around, and then Deborah's nephew dog, I guess he would be, <laughs> Roscoe, are in the studio with us in honor of the Dog Biscuit episode. So we figured it'd be kind of fun to have them in the background as we did this to, <laughs> in honor of your episode. So. Um, I love it. Well, too bad they don't have biscuits, which they will get them up to you soon. <laughs> Thank <laughs> okay, you. Okay, great. But you were saying, so your model is to stay away from the pet stores and focus more on like the Whole Foods grocery stores. And I actually love that idea because the consumer that really cares about themselves is the one that usually really cares about their dogs. And Deborah and I, quite a bit, we try to keep the the best type of biscuits and food for Brutus. Um in our home, anything he, he's that he's a little can, spoiled. Yes, he's a little <laughs> spoiled. I do. I give him an egg with his breakfast every morning, and he gets a little bit of milk with dinner every night. And uh, but we give him all the the good food, the blue buffalo food, um, and maybe there's better food. You, I'm sure you've been in the business long enough. You can recommend us the best type of food and stuff like that. So I'm interested in that for sure. But I definitely smile. Him. He gets you know all soy free. You know as healthy as I can be. Treats. Actually, they come through BarkBox. There was a plug there, but, um, you know, so I'm interested in definitely trying your treats and trying them for him. Cause anything that I can do to k- extend his life, because it will crush me the day he passes away across the doggy biscuit bridge, as you refer to. And, um, you know, the good thing is, is that, you know, you get that time with them. It's just hard when you lose them because they're such unconditional friends and, and they give you such it- unconditional love. Oh, yeah. It's brutal because, I mean, he was rescued off the streets of Atlanta. His head was bigger than his body. Hmm. His roots were sticking out. And um, he found me at a time after my pop passed that filled that void. I mean, he was just the most – he was an American bulldog, and he was really calm. And he was – he we called him the stoner dog because he just laid around. But hmm. you knew he was there. You go to my mom's house – and she would, he would know when she's cooking, and he would lay right next to her. And she would secretly feed him veggies when she's cooking. <laughs> you know, I mean, just the best. I mean, he was a very unique, amazing dog, just like we all know that our dogs are. And I wouldn't have this business if it wasn't for him. And it'll be a year on April 11th that he passed. And it's Aww. been the, but it's been the best year because now he's like watching over going, tell everyone what I'm doing. <laughs> right. You know, he's watching over me right now and he's very proud. So it's, it's killer. And so like we, what we did is started branding a dog biscuit with his name in it. Big daddy biscuits. That's and so awesome. a lot of companies now 
we can brand dogs. So several people here in Atlanta do it. All, I mean, when we were at the Mart, so that was our biggest selling selling item there. Is people wanted branded dog bones. Well, and I love this, and I love that he lives on forever in the name of your company. And I'm going to tell the audience a quick tad bit story because I think it's so important. We often talk about human beings on this podcast, or you know, and a lot of people, um, including myself, talk about how you know we believe God speaks through other people, but God also speaks through our animals and the way they change our lives and the way they come into our life. And for me. Uh, in 2013, I had a rupture in my lower intestine that was basically poisoning my body, and I was working out a lot then, so I thought I pulled a muscle in my stomach. I didn't really realize what was going on. And Brutus um, was pretty young then, but he would not leave me alone for days. And by the third day, he would literally, every time I'd lay down in pain, he would get on my stomach and scratch his paws on it like he was digging and keep sniffing and sniffing and would not leave me alone and start moaning. And it's like he knew something was wrong. And so I rushed to the hospital and they're like, you're being poisoned from the inside. Like you, this is a serious matter. You could be dead in the next 24 to 48 hours if this kept going. So they really do come into our lives and and change our lives. And for me, saved my life, I believe truly. And so to have that bond with them, it's amazing. Um, Little tangent on my mom. Yeah. Well, no, I understand because when my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer and when she came home, Big Daddy laid next to her bed for three days and didn't <laughs> oh move. It's like I they mean, know we really? need it. I mean, they know better they than know. we do as humans. And they and they just are so loyal and dedicated and loving. I think it's that they, they operate are. off of energy versus words. You know, a lot of times we all get caught up in words of what everyone says. and But really the actions are everything and the energy is everything. And they can sense that. They know. And it's kind of cool. They do. It's amazing. Look, my mom didn't want the dog in the house. She saw him and my dad before he passed. He only met him once, but Big Daddy was all over him. But he's a big dog. He's, you know, it's, American Bulldogs are pit bulls. Just, they're in that, it's that same stature, but he's a little taller. My mom was fearful of him. Right. But it's how society, you know, it's what society's made and all they were, everyone talking in the bad, the bad words that people were saying about these amazing dogs and I changed her mind and she to this day still like when I mentioned she tears up and she's mm-hmm. like I miss him so much and for her not to want him in the house right to him watching she was recovering to when he died I it's like it was I, I was so glad that we were able to trans um to change her her mind about him and that him to breathe because that's very important cool. to us as well yeah, a lot of people get yeah. scared and nervous and whatnot of dogs and, you know, for her to have that transformation. And really, he did that, right? Like, he earned her trust. Yep. That's super cool. Well, and that's the thing about animals. They they get it. It's uh, you earn their trust and they, and they earn your trust. And there's this relationship that builds off of it over time. And it's... It's the right way to do it. They don't jump into anything. We don't jump into anything with them. We earn it with each other. And I think that's such a valuable lesson just as entrepreneurs, since we're on an entrepreneur podcast, is that trust is something that's earned in both directions. And it takes time and it takes actions to get there, not just words. So I think that's 
so important. And the second thing I want to just talk about is the American pit bull type thing. And I believe that's what you said um, Big Daddy was, was a pit bull. Is that correct? Well, he's an, he was an American bulldog. Oh, American so. bulldog. Okay. I, I misunderstood then. But I just, you know, so many people see dogs as aggressive or, or they have this image. But when, when they're loved and trusted in the way that people want to be loved and, and you're vulnerable with them, they are the greatest animals. And I, and I, fe- and I truly feel that they're a reflection of their owners. And, you know, you love them and they mirror back the same love to you. So, I mean, it's a pretty incredible thing. So, it is. And thank God I found, you know, my friend found him and brought him to me because this would have never happened. You so, know, so. So, do you do this full time? So, do you do this full time now? Is this, I mean, this is it? I've this is your job? It. I've been doing it full time since my niece and nephew said to me, you should make dog biscuits. So, eight I years. I literally never, like, eight, nine, yeah, eight years. That's cool. You know what I also love is um, I feel like in today's world, it's a lot about um, it's I mean, obviously, the product matters. And that's first and foremost. But everyone's story, you know, I think in today's world, people are wanting to connect more and more. I mean, as much as there's social media and whatnot, and people get distracted from the human interaction. I think that when you can bring your own personal story to the forefront, people are really like they glob onto that they want to be like, they want to know you they want to know the products they have. And so the fact that you have this great story as to how you started your company and that it's, you know, your dog was really your inspiration and whatnot. I think people love that. And I think that that goes a long way in, you know, pushing your brand forward and getting it out there to everyone. So let's take one second really fast. Do you want to tell the audience where all they can find your products, if they can get them online, whatnot, where they can, how they can follow you, um, know more about your your brand? There's so many places. It's crazy. I wish I knew because we've really. Um, so, yeah, you can get us online at BigDaddyBiscuits.com. And um, we always send special treats, extra treats to new customers. And you get 15% off if you um, put in Big Daddy when you're checking out. Um, but you can get them. That's the best place if you don't live in the state. We haven't, unfortunately, we haven't updated our website with all the wonderful new stores. But Baltimore. Maryland, we just were going to Catalina Island, Barnsley, Barnsley Gardens, which is here in Atlanta, um, Prince Michelle, which is in Leon, Virginia. It's a vineyard, which is amazing. Um, my Big Finds in Gaithersburg, Maryland. So they're all little cute, right. intricate stores, which I love that. I lo- that is like, this is all heaven to me, where they're going. Right. Because... So many people will enjoy these biscuits and they'll appreciate them more than getting it in a in a big box pet store. Right. So Lauren, I mean, you're wearing so many different hats. I mean, you're literally forming each biscuit with your other employees. And I mean, so how are you making time to, you know, get to all of these different stores in different states even, and, you know, get your product out there, running farmer's markets on the weekend, plus handling payroll and all of the behind the scenes stuff that people kind of forget about when they go buy their dog biscuits. How do you, how do you manage your time? It's a good question. I don't always know. It's kind of hard. I love making notes. When I was working in corporate life, I had my pad of paper and I wrote everything down. My brain's gotten a lot better now, which is great, but it's still difficult. But I just know. I mean, unfortunately, every day is kind of the same in a weird way because we bake 
three days a week on those Mondays and Friday. Every shipment goes out every Friday that you place an order during the week. We try to get it out the next day, but if it's a big order, we get it out. You know, our goal is on Friday. So on Monday, when you get to your post office, when the postman comes, they're going to bring that big box of treats to you. Um, I just do it. Right. I don't know how I do it. I really don't. I mean, my mom also wonders how my brain, because I'm so ADD and I'm also dyslexic. She wonders how I do this. I don't know. I don't have a good answer for you. I actually you think people who are a little bit ADD have sometimes an advantage because you're able to track on, on a couple different levels at one time. It's, you know, as a kid, I think teachers and whatnot, people look at kids who have ADD as like being disruptive and whatnot because there's so much energy. But once I think you can hone in on that, it's really quite a masterful skill. I mean, I think it's a blessing in disguise. I know a lot of people worry about that for their children, but there's quite a few entrepreneurs, and I don't know if you're legitimately um, ADD, but I think that they definitely have that personality type if it's not, you know, a actual diagnosis, but I think there's a benefit in that, in being able to go in several different directions. And so I want to ask you too, right? I so agree with you because it does. I'm always, the busier hands, the busier people get things done. If you're not busy, you're not getting stuff done. (laughs) Your brain's always going. It's always going. And, um, you know, I'm very blessed. I have, right now I have someone that I went to elementary school. She's working in my, you know, she's baking biscuits. I have a girl that was baking and she's come back and I just, um, good finding the right people as well to keep you on track. Right. In the kitchen. And yeah. And there's, you know, several different people too. Cause I'm imagining like, so do you bring people too with the farmer's market or do you have people who help you go out to stores to get the biscuits into other retail venues or do you basically, no, that's, all me. that's all you. And what about distribution? How do you get the product? Do you ship or do you literally drive it everywhere? Well, we do two things. Well, there's three things. One, you can pick it up at farmer's markets if you're in that neighborhood. Right. Two, we ship. Three, we self-distribute. I find it better. I had, unfortunately, some experiences with some people that don't rotate properly and things not getting out the way they need to. Right. And I can't take that chance. So I know that I box it up, I ship it out, and it goes um, our wonderful um, post office. U.S. Postal Service sends everything out. And if someone wants me to send me a, you know, a, their account number to shed, send it out a different way, that's fine. Locally, um, if it's on my route, I will deliver. If not, we have a great program. There's a great app called Roadie that will come and pick up your stuff and will hand deliver it for you. And I take advantage of that as well. And I've also hired someone that used to do that and is like my personal delivery person. Which is amazing. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, you I mean, you have to get resourceful, right? When you're a smaller business, you have to find ways to do it. So, but I imagine at some point the goal is, is that you meet a volume threshold where you can, you know, would you ever want to get rid of the production portion of it? Or would you ever want to, like, I mean, I've heard you say you've outsourced and hired people to help you with distri- distribution a little bit. I mean, what would be the thing that at some point you're just like, this is too much I need help with that? Where's your next needing growth. help, your next growth? <laughs> right. Well, it is going to be um, the, the one thing that I have always said is our biscuits don't look the same. We don't want to look like your typical big box, your, your big company that every dog biscuit looks exactly the same coming out. Right. So 
and, and that we pride that, and that's that whole hand press. So we, we're look. I'm actually right now looking at a machine that can do different cuts, that so they all don't look the same. So it it coins on what we're doing because yeah, it's gonna it's hard. Your fingers hurt. Look, I got I got my hand caught in the mix. So it's been you know I've been, I've been down on the being able to help produce if I need to. But that's where the line, the distribution, and I don't mind doing it. I have a, one of my neighbors actually comes over and helps me make sure everything's out perfectly. Handwritten notes in every box. Oh, that's cute. And a biscuit or something right. goes out. I don't, I don't trust distributors right now and we can handle it. I mean, if it's going the way it is, we, it's, I like that part of it because it's very personalized when it goes out to, you know, these, these stores. Yeah. No, I think that's cool. I mean, it's always an interesting thing. I mean, I got to a growth portion when I had a company years back and uh, it, I had to get to a point where I was like, do I do more? Cause I was like, what does more actually mean? And so, you know, but I, I'm hearing you, I understand like you're at a place where your quality of life, your involvement in each part of it, because you actually have enjoyment in each part of it, you know, so you have to kind of tread lightly and kind of take each step a little bit methodically about how, how big, how fast how you know and I think that's cool right we're but my whole thing since I started this business there's the turtle and the hare and I don't want to be the hare I want to be the turtle <laughs> slow and steady will always win right and it seems to be you know it seems to be working for us and we're grow every day we grow every what you know but I'm finding the good people to put in place that I can back away from doing it Right. So, which is a wonderful thing, but I'm still there, but I'm, you know, my hands are always going to touch everything just like any small business or, you know, anyone in a business, they want to know. Right. And I think it's really interesting too, because, you know, we ask a lot of on this podcast, we ask people, if you could go back and the younger you, what would you tell yourself? And like a large percentage of the people would say, I would slow down. I would slow down, you know, because a lot of mistakes get made when you try and go grow too big, too fast and, uh, you miss stuff or whatnot. And so it's kind of interesting to hear you say, you know, as someone who's been doing this for quite a while that you're taking your time, you want to be the turtle, you want to take your time and get there when you get there. I think that's cool. So with that being said, younger you, what, what advice would you give yourself? And to um, just—I don't even—it's really hard. <laughs> just to, it, because it, I was a very—I mean, I'm outgoing now. I mean, people, you know, know that of who I am. I'm a very vivacious person. I get excited over a lot of things. Um, I would just say, have faith, and don't doubt. I wouldn't doubt myself so much. Because not everyone's path is going um, in the direction. When I was a kid, it was go to school, go to college, get a nine-to-five job, do this. Right. Have faith in being different. It's okay. And I think that just being secure in who I am more so. And you've gotten, you're freaking amazing because I'm an amazing (laughs) person. Yes, you are. You know, and I didn't think so growing up, you know, and I'm 
pretty darn cool with what I've done. I'm very proud of myself. And and you should be. I mean, it's a big accomplishment. I mean, I think a lot of people, it's easy to get down on yourself. And I think that, you know, with as far as you've come in your company, you've made tons of growth, right? And you've had to probably overcome things sometimes even on a daily basis, weekly basis, in terms of figuring out how to get stuff done and or timelines or whatnot. And so, you know, really to get there. And I love that. I love that advice to really believe in yourself. And um, I truly believe that, you know, our differences are what make us ourselves. It's, it's our, you know, when, when kids are younger, they all want to be alike and they want to be the same and they want to do what the other cool kids are doing and whatnot. And really that the part that you're doing differently is the part that makes you, you and makes you lovable. And so I think that's great advice. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it was hard. I didn't, it took a a while to figure that out what your self-worth is, but I'm very lucky and blessed. I have an amazing mother who has supported this venture from day one. She's a, she has her little doubts, but I'm like, no, when something happens, when it happens, mom, <laughs> you know, throw it the universe when, and she, and I love being able to say, I told you so <laughs> to her. So do you come from a family of entrepreneurs or are you the first one? Um, I'm not my, well, my grandfather owned a paint store. And he passed when my mom was 12. So that stopped then. But my mom said that I'm exactly like him. I've never met a stranger. And I'm always, you know, extending and trying to build my community and build my network more. Um, But my, no, I'm the first one to start. I mean, I have a dermatologist in the family and a lawyer, but it's not (laughs) building, you know, a product. Right. You know, so that they're different, whatever. So they're entrepreneurs in their own ways because they have their own businesses, but not building a business, not, not making a product and doing this. And, that's, and I didn't know what the hell I was doing at all. Right. And I think that's most people too. I mean, I don't care what business plan you write. It ends up being very different than what you plan. And, uh, you know, so a lot of times I think people come into being an entrepreneur because that's what they saw as kids and stuff. But no matter who you are or what you've seen, you the whole deal is you have to go in with the tenacity of like, I'm not failing. I'm going to just keep going. Right. And if something doesn't work, I'm just going to turn a little bit different, different direction and figure out how to make that go and so you know yeah but it's definitely it's a leap of faith I mean so at what point did you take your foot off of first base being some other job paying your bills and stuff to turn and be like I'm going to do this this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to do it full time or did you kind of do two things at once I didn't have a choice (laughs) I was laid off from my job and then the economy was the way it was and temp jobs weren't around and I wasn't happy and I helped my mom move her life from Maryland to Atlanta. Right. So it gave me a chance to figure out what was going on. It was, you know, my big, it was my big moment. Right. on the pot or, you know, whatever. So I, my niece, honestly, my niece and my nephew, and I didn't look back. I didn't take a second job. I mean, I did odd jobs. I was working, you know, temp jobs when I was right. getting this business off, but I've been full blown doing this ever since I started. Haven't thought about anything else. Yeah. And I never thought I'll do. Yeah, I'm, I mean, this is it. This is all I want to do. Oh, and I want to a little bit rewind one second and just touch upon something you said so everyone in the audience hears it, is that something that happens with entrepreneurs, I think to Deborah's point, a lot of us grow up, and not all of us, and I think inside we always 
are a little bit different than everyone else's entrepreneurs that at least when we end up entrepreneurs um, but we don't want to be different growing up so we try to fit in with everyone else and then you have people that go out in the world and and they do what everyone else does which is get your office job get you know work for a big company make sure you have a secure paycheck go to work at 9 a.m get done at 5 p.m and then forget about your job but then there's the entrepreneur that just naturally is different, wants to think outside the box, doesn't want to work for someone else, has to pivot at some point in their life where they end up being an entrepreneur, uh, like in your case. And then you end up different. And because you end up different in expressing yourself for who you are, you build this product that's representative of, of you and what you believe in. And that's truly the case here with you, Lauren. I mean, I can tell by your personality that the product reflects who you are. And that's a beautiful thing and it's natural and, and it's caring and it's kind and it, it's really to help out, you know, dogs specifically, but it's also to help out dog owners and it, and it's an indirect effect. And so what you're doing, I think is such a beautiful thing as an entrepreneur and I'm sliding the, the scale a little bit as I talk, but it's a beautiful thing, you know, when entrepreneurs take something, truly believe in it. Be vulnerable enough and authentic enough to put themselves into a product and show themselves through it and then use it to help people. I mean, profit's obviously important in revenue when you're running a business, but it's also the ability to help people in doing it. So I really love that part of your story for sure. Um, But my question is this. So over the last eight years, you've had to have like a horror story or one thing that's (laughs) happened where you've been, oh my God, what am I doing? And how do I, do I really want to keep doing this? Or, you know, something like that, that has happened to you that you're like, this is a a crazy moment and I can't believe I'm doing this right now. Good or bad. I don't, there's so many little things. It's insane. So I was using this one kitchen and the guy, it was a commercial kitchen in someone's house. And he unfortunately decided not to pay his mortgage. And so the house is being taken from him, but he didn't tell anyone. So, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? How am I going to create my business? How am I going to do all the demand? Well, I figured it out. You know, I somehow figured it out. It's, you know, I found prep Atlanta, which was amazing. Um, machine Machinery breaks. Getting someone to come over to fix it in time to get orders out. But I haven't, I, when it comes to the business, I haven't said, it had nothing said stop. Nothing was too big for me to stop what I was doing, which is interesting. That you is, know, when I, did you ever have not, wavering moments? So where you're like having trouble making your paying all the bills or paying employees or did oh, yeah. you? Yeah. So Every you, day. Right. And I mean, I Every think that's the interesting day. part, but I think that right there, Lauren is really key is, you know, while you also had all of those moments that lots of people have, it was never enough to make you stop. You still, ha- you still were believing in yourself. And I think that right there is the entrepreneurial spirit. Right. And the other thing is too, is that when I was in school, I didn't realize I had, you know, dyslexia and I was ADD and all this because back in the 80s, it wasn't on the forefront. So I didn't find the true, I didn't find the true me until this all happened. So I started a nonprofit. It's called Dogtoberfest and EAV and it's about responsible pet ownership. And so what we do is we raise funds for um, local rescues 
here in Atlanta, and we just give them all the money that we raise, and it's one full swoop event that we do once a year. Um, I am can I'm able to help people start their business, ask questions, marketing ideas. I mean, I help run our social media for our um, farmers market page for our farmers market. But it's like I found skills in me that I didn't know that I had back then. That wasn't honed on when we were in school because it was go to school, get a job, do this. The creativity of, of, of oneself was not um, pushed when we were younger. Right. And I have blossomed in that respect since then. So I found more about me and how I can be a, a better entrepreneur for myself. And other things too. God for God forbid if this biscuit thing fails tomorrow, two two two, it's not going to happen. But <laughs> if it does, I have a direction. I have ideas that are already in the works of other things I can do and will do and continue to do. Are you? Because I found me. You just said two two two. Is that is that a Greek thing for two Sue? Uh, <laughs> do you know what I'm talking? Huh. <laughs> It's like you don't say, you don't put bad things into the world. Yeah, it's so funny. Things. My grandmother used yeah. to say that, but I'm Greek. And um, it was like, Tusu, it's like, so you don't get the evil eye. And I'm like, did you just do what my grandmother right. used to do? Right. <laughs> That's hysterical. I'm bringing it back. <laughs> right. That's great. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but it, you know, you just, it's having faith, you right. know, and I'm like, I'll bring it back to my mom. If I didn't have her to be a cheerleader. And also I have a core group of friends that are like, you can't give up. You're not going to give up. You've made it. Who support me, my community, my neighborhood supports me <laughs> so much. I mean, it's, we got, we, I live in East Atlanta and we are just a tight knit group of people that support each other's businesses. And um, if you need something, they're there to pick you up. That's so, so I'm great. I, I live a, Live a great life when yeah. you look at you know when you peel layers off. <laughs> it's true. It is a good life. So I mean, are, is there anything in your business that you're like I dislike doing this because everyone has something they wish they didn't have to do, and but all the things you like. But I mean, you're very well rounded and you seem to attack things head on. So I'm curious: is there anything you don't like doing? Oh, there's a lot I don't like doing. <laughs> <laughs> I. Don't like, um, sometimes I don't like making biscuits right. every day. I, my fingers hurt, you know, since we hand press them. I don't like waking up at five o'clock in the morning. Right. But my follow-up sometimes isn't the best, you know, and I have a hard time, at, you know, remembering all those emails that I have to get back to making the list. So I don't. There's nothing that I don't like. I just don't like that I don't have the time to do it, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense. You know, I, I really relate to you were saying you um, take notes all the time. And I, I'm like the perpetual list maker. And so it's kind of funny because I have a notebook and I write in the notebook and I add stuff so I don't forget it. And it's amazing though the list grows faster than I can check them off. And so sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, sometimes can get overwhelming. But yeah, I get it. I forget about but I forget about my list. <laughs> I know. The multiple lists, the multiple notebooks. Yeah, I have that going on too. <laughs> right. So there's a lot that I I mean, I just sometimes I w sometimes I wish that I can just step away from the kitchen completely, which soon 
because I, but I never want to stop because I want to see what's going I got to make sure what's of going course. on. Yeah. But having that wonderful faith of people that are in, that you, that you have trust and you have faith in right. that want the best for your product and know what you want is very important. And slowly I'm able to back away so I can be more focused on things that I don't like as much as me. You know, those follow-up phone calls sometimes and, hey, how'd your order? Did anything break? Do you need anything else? What can I do for you? That is where, um, you know, I, I fail at times. I think it's huge, though, you know, for you to be the person actually calling the accounts and putting personal notes in. I mean, I think that is huge. I mean, as as someone who would be on the receiving end of that, that feels good, right, to have the owner of the company, the person who started the whole thing, really being your contact. I mean, that's amazing. And so, you know, I can see how you get to a point where you have to pick and choose. There's only so many hours in a day. And I can see how if you had to go be in the kitchen for X number of hours every single day, single week, it really kind of pulls you from a million other things that your personal touch really, really matters on, you know? So it's hard. It's a tug of war. It's trying to figure out how best to use your time and, you know, what are the things you can't. I just don't waste time by writing lists. (laughs) He he just jumps in. He like attacks things with, you know. When I'm out of time, I'm like, I have no time to even write the list. I'm just going right at it. Although I do take crazy amount of notes. Right. Well, see, but I don't ever go back and look yeah. all the time. And like when I'm at a show, I'm super uber organized, and that keeps me going. It's like I want to how I keep that sustained, you know. And how that's what I have after all these years of taking notes, going back to what you did. It's quite interesting to see where you know where that started, and how your your style is from taking notes and taking lists from when you first start until you until now. I think that's very interesting. I know. And that's actually happened to me with this podcast. At first, I sort of was like, okay, like it's going to people contact me and I'll contact people and get them on the list. Well, you know, two months actually will be going on the ninth week since we launched this podcast. And, you know, we have over a hundred people signed up for episodes and I've had to do Excel sheets and I've had to change the way I send out post recordings. And I've had the way I talk to people and the prep questions have changed. But there's this weird step of organization and calendar reminders that I didn't even begin to imagine I was going to have to do when I started this thing. I was like, oh, it won't take me that much time. We'll just sign them up and go forward. But then when you actually start doing any business, and it's really a reminder of me of being an entrepreneur in all the other ways I've done it and the other companies um, I've been a part of starting and, and had people like Deborah uh, participate in and, and when you have partners, but it's like, you've got to start find a way to balance it, balance your life and balance for me, my, my other entrepreneurial endeavors and businesses. And then on top of that, remain organized, go back, make sure you didn't miss anyone. Like, I don't want to forget to email someone a calendar reminder or forget to email them a post recording notes or forget to something like I have done it. I forgot to put one person on the calendar reminder and they showed up for the podcast and called me and I'm not even near the studio. And they're like, Oh, are we doing the podcast today? I'm like, Oh, whoops. And, uh, (laughs) and, and I'm like, okay, can we reschedule? And he's like, well, and I mean, the good news is, is entrepreneurs are understanding about all of it. He's like, you know, I totally was in a rush today. So I was 15 minutes late anyway, and then I didn't see you on, so I called, thought maybe I missed you, but I'm really busy today, so let's reschedule it anyway. So, 
I mean, everyone's so understanding. If you've been in business and been an entrepreneur, I feel like it gives you a level of gratitude towards everything and level of understanding where you're not a bitter person when people make mistakes as much. You're like, okay, like this is human nature, especially as an entrepreneur, because we, we're literally throwing every ball in the air at any given moment, you know, and sometimes one drops and we don't even notice it drops. So, Right, and, and people understand too. And what I've gotten in my head is like, if they don't understand, and if you're as apologetic as ever, and even if, you know, if they can't get it, then it's not worth it. If they can't understand that things happen, then... I think you just said a really key thing there, though, Lauren, is that you said if you apologize. It's, It's amazing. Some people just, you know don't take ownership. But I think when you own stuff, people are like, yeah, I get it. Right. But I think that's a key element is really being like, Hey, I'm a human and life got crazy and whatever. And they're like, okay, you know, they're much more willing to forgive when, uh, it's relatable. Yeah. And we talk about this actually. It's hard to take ownership though. Yeah. And we talk, it's a hard thing. We we talk about it on a motivational Monday actually. And I want to recap it just because I think we're on a point is, if someone comes to me and, well, we have a problem, if whether it's an employer or a vendor or a customer, and they don't take responsibility for it, like then I have two problems. I have the problem itself, and then I have the problem with that, how am I going to deal with a person that is never going to fix the problem or take the responsibility to fix it on their end? And so that's the difficult part as someone that's been in business or as an entrepreneur is we don't have to create the two problems. Can't we just focus on fixing the thing that went wrong in the first place? But when we're not honest about it and we don't take responsibility for it, you know, we're actually creating another problem, which is how can we really fix it if we're not going to really look at what caused the problem? And so it's hard. And I didn't mean to interrupt, and I apologize, but I think it's so important because we're on a really good topic here. Um, and I wanted to let you talk about it, Lauren, because I'm sure you experienced that as well, where, you know, it's one thing as having customers and you've got to sort of the customer is always right. But then a customer comes to you with a problem and you know you're no matter how many times they're right, we, the problem's never going to get fixed because they're never going to take responsibility for the part that's their fault. And so right. well, you, you get Well, it. then after a while, you have to stop. Yeah. You know, there's only so much you can do. And as long as you know, or as long as I know I've done everything I can do, then I can go to bed and put my head on a pillow. Yeah, for I mean, sure. We make mistakes all the time. Look, we have, there's stuff going on all the time. You know, I don't mean to interrupt, but I think it's so important that we understand. And entrepreneurs get used to this. I think people in the world that don't have an entrepreneurial life and you have stuff flying at you, it becomes stressful. But there's this weird sense as entrepreneurs where we're able to survive, live, and really excel or whatever or benefit really in moments of chaos. Like entrepreneurial life, when you're really in the trenches, sometimes there's so much, for lack of a better term, shit being thrown at you that you learn how to survive in it and really just excel in it and benefit from it and how to divert it. If I could go back to the days where I first started, you know, 
things would get stressful. And, and even the podcast, the first week was so stressful for me. I was per, trying to perfect everything and trying to make sure. And then all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? I'm talking about being authentic and vulnerable and I'm talking about being real. I'm just going to let it go and let it be real. Why get caught up in the details and spend so many hours doing it? I want it to be great. Don't get me wrong, but greatness is also in just letting it be what it is and then pivoting as it goes and learning as you go because if we hold on to it and we don't deal with the chaos, you know, you're just going to continue to have chaos and stress. But being able to have the, a, a thicker skin, you know, and a softer inside where we're grateful for what we have, but a thicker skin where we can take more, deal with more in life. Because I'm sure you've had it. Entrepreneur, sometimes you get an email at one o'clock in your morning and you're like, what is going on right now? And next thing you know, three hours of your life are gone and it's 4 a.m. in the morning because you're having to deal with something at night or you can't sleep because you're trying to figure out how to solve this problem. And it's kind of crazy, right? It doesn't matter whether it's 7 a.m. in the morning or 5 p.m. at night. You can't control other people. And so because you can't control anyone else, let alone the circumstances of the world, you're always dealing with stuff as an entrepreneur. And it's sort of magnified in my opinion. But if I look at it, you know, someone says to me, oh my gosh, how do you do all that? Or how do you keep track of it or whatever? It's like second nature to me. I don't even, you know, I don't even notice. I put my head down when I have time and I excel through it. And if I need to be distracted or something happens, okay, I set this down. I know where I am. I move on to the next thing. I deal with the problem, deal with it. And then I'm back at it. And there's this weird, you know, compartmentalizing that happens as entrepreneurs, I think, because we're moving so fast yet trying to slow down. Um, but you have to deal with things in always a chaotic situation, in my opinion. But I wouldn't even, all these years later, 18 years later, I wouldn't even call it chaos to me. Actually, it's probably been more than that since I was... Normality. Yeah. It's normality. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've always dealt with it, whether I was mowing lawns as a kid and going out and hunting down people to mow lawns or running fruit stands. It's never not been a part of my life as an entrepreneur or owning my own businesses. And I started pretty young with the help of my parents, for sure. But everything can go wrong. Like, I, you know, even then, like, oh, great. I did something stupid. I ran the diesel tractor out of diesel fuel. How did I do that? Well, I was a stupid kid and not paying attention and too busy listening to my Walkman at the time, which were awesome, by the way. <laughs> the yellow Sony Walkman back in the day. But it's... um. You know, it's that type of thing that we do as entrepreneurs that it's really, it's like, there's this video I saw and the, the audience is going to have to excuse me, but it's literally this monkey like scooping its own poop and throwing it at the other one. But that's like, and, and the other monkey's not doing anything or participating. It's like, why are you doing this to me? But that's sort of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> like, it's like shit's being thrown at you and you don't know why. It just keeps happening. But you have to deal with it. You have to remain calm like the other monkey is. And you're sort of like, okay, well, how do I address this situation to get it to stop? Because I can't stop him from doing it, you know, in any <laughs> nonviolent way. So it's like, I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, but... <laughs> Deborah's like, oh my gosh, you're just talking about it. monkey flinging poop on on the air, <laughs> right? But you know what? My mom, when, my mom said that back in the day when she was in um, going to therapy, she said that her therapist said life is a shit sandwich. It all depends <laughs> on how you have a bite to take out of it. There you go, right? I think the truth of the matter is when you look at all of the stress that happens in life. I mean, I was just talking about this the other day that I always wish that I. 
could have in that exact moment the presence of mind that's going to come in about five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever when I calm down, but be able to apply that in the actual moment. And really in those moments when all the stuff is hitting the fan, that's really where growth happens. But at the time it sure can be stressful. And, uh, but I think the ability to pivot and whatnot sure is a definite need amongst any entrepreneur. So now you have to, I mean, it's hard it's hard and where to put your energy, you know, picking and choosing very properly, like, you know, dealing with a customer that's not very happy, you know, try, you, you can only try so much. And then after you try so much, you, ha- you as an individual have to stop because it, nothing's going to make it better. Right. So I have to do, all I do is know that when I wake up every day that I'm going to be the, try to be the best person I can possibly be with the elements that are around me. Of course I fail at something. You know, some things are not going to be perfect. And I'm going to fail at it. Right. But I'm going to do the best I can do. And when you and have demands coming from two different ways, you can't be 100% at both, right? So that's where, like, you have to put on your CEO cap and be like, okay, prioritize what's the most important right now. Right, yes, right there, right now. And then also, then also you know, um, being mindful of how to react or how to respond. Do you let it blow off? Do you, and when you were saying, you know, if you could wait those 10 minutes and respond, I wish I could do that all the time. Right. But that's the thing about, I try so hard in dealing with, oh, if the biscuit's <laughs> not being made proper, we have to reevaluate something. How do I tell someone? Because I don't want them to get upset. But it's important. It may not be as important to them, but it's important to me. And it's important right. to the customer. Right. But that just shows your care and all of that stuff, right? I mean, the fact that you care so much that you're like, God, I want to do it right, you know? That's huge. I mean, that's part of I why you're successful. But no one's going to care as much as I do. Exactly. Yeah, and one of the things that I've learned like over the years, the very, very hard way, because I tend to do things over and over again before I learn my lesson, but it's, um, it's that I want to respond and sometimes I get righteous from an email or someone or on the phone or whatever. And usually I'll write an email and I'll get it all out and then I'll let it sit there for about 10, 20 minutes and then look at it again and then redo it and, and look at it a different way because I get the initial frustration out on the page. And it's a little bit of a waste of time in my opinion, but I haven't figured out another way to do it that's keeps me focused in the task at hand. And then I'm like, okay, I got out the frustration. Now let me really write an email that's constructive. That'll help me tomorrow. That'll help the business tomorrow. That'll help the people around me. And how can I learn from it and grow from it? And how can I help someone else succeed as well? And so it's an interesting thing, but you know, the problem is, is sometimes you forget to actually send the email when it sits there for 10 minutes because something (laughs) else comes up and that's the downfall of it really. But I don't or, know, maybe, or that maybe pausing. that's a good part to not send the email. Well, well I, not that, that email. Exactly, send an email yeah. in general or as a response. I didn't need yeah. that email. <laughs> well, that's how today I started writing. There's two emails I have to send out. And I'm like, oh, it's 10 o'clock. You know, 10 o'clock. I got to do this now. And I'm glad I was forced to put it down. Right. Because I want to use Word. I, I don't need to go that direction. It shouldn't have to go in certain direction. So it's going to give me time to, to reevaluate my words and what I need to say. I mean, it's hard. I mean, we're all human. And people, we as, we as people forget that sometimes, that everyone is human. And we all make mistakes. And we all have to have patience with each other. And just, you know, my biggest thing is being humble. 
and remembering where you came from. You know, we all came from somewhere. Right. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't go to school for, you know, to be an entrepreneur, which is amazing that they offer that in a school, right. which I think, you know, the, the world is seeing that there are so many more people with amazing ideas and want to help push it forward because, you know, but it's, it's, it's just hard. I don't know. It just, well, it's, it's interesting, t- it's too. I mean, small business is huge for just the entire global world, right? Like, if you look at small entrepreneurs, especially in the United States, I mean, it's a huge percentage of all new jobs that happen. And so it's that creativity. It's that ingenuity. It's the drive to, like, have something special and unique. And obviously, that works for people because that's, you know, a lot of people want to work for them um, if they're not actually the entrepreneur themselves. But it's definitely the engine, uh, largely in the United States. Yes. And I love the fact that's like, you know, my employees that I have, a lot of them, like three of them came from being customers at my farmer's market. (laughs) That's so great. I mean, really, and that's, I mean, that's a huge, like, I think that's a great story too. Like when you introduce them to people to say, Hey, yeah, this is so-and-so and and they work for me. And, you know, I met them because their dog actually eats my treats and stuff. I mean, that's such a great, um, link between your product that someone and their dog love it so much that they want to represent your company. It's not just someone who applied for a job and, you know, had the better resume or whatnot. This is someone who truly believes in you and your product. And I think that's a really cool thing for sure. And that's the person I want on my team. Yeah. You know, I, I had a friend, right. um, my friend who I've known from elementary school, she had a store in California and so we, she was my first customer ever, which is amazing. And then she was right in Studio City. And so Jeffrey Dean Morgan would come into her store and buy our dog biscuits. And we were making one with cheese and garlic. And he loves the cheese and garlic. <laughs> so that he would sit there and put some cream cheese on it and eat it himself. So oh it's like, <laughs> and now she's here helping me. I know it's amazing. It's crazy. But, that, but it makes it so she's the type of person that I'm honored that she's you know, helping me create what I'm doing. Right. I, I do have to admit, I do do that as well with uh, Brutus and Deborah does too. One for me, one for you. Oh, but I, I not with his dog treats. No, I, not with dog treats. <laughs> he, he also he likes the Parmesan cheese at... Cheez-Its. Oh, yeah, or the white cheddar. White, white cheddar, cheddar Cheez-Its. He, I sometimes snack on those and he's well, a big fan. <laughs> well, I promise you, when you... When I send you your box, right, you'll be able to say for you and one for me. <laughs> I might have to venture out and try it. I'm going to take that as a dare. And Brutus is okay. our American cocker spaniel, so he's going to make his debut picture with your dog biscuits on our podcast Instagram as well. Because <laughs> he's I about think it's to so be awesome, famous. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Are you That's awesome? Nice. So, tell us a little bit, Lauren, um, what are your favorite things to do? Because we talked about the things you don't like doing, and um, but what are your absolute favorite things about what you do in in your job, I guess, in your business? Um, Well, one is my my farmers markets. Like I said before, Um, it's that's my reward. Seeing all you know, seeing everyone and seeing all the happy dogs. Um, That's my fate. That. Having my mom come in and being proud is a favorite thing of mine. I love to go and, um, you know, this business is just, 
everything about it. Going to events are my favorite things uh, when it comes down to it. And also um, going to events, sharing the treats, and also supporting um, our local non-kill shelters is a wonderful thing that makes my heart very happy. We support Paws Atlanta. And I love um, that. That's biggest, so cool that you have a give back. Yeah. So Big we, fan of that. So they were, they were our third recipient of the grant from my nonprofit. But Paws Atlanta is um, my favorite my favorite no-kill shelter here in Atlanta. And um, I do events and I'll like whenever, God forbid, we burn biscuits, you know, which does happen. Right. You know, you cook them a little too long. They may be fine. Someone may look, oh, they're fine. They're not to my standard. Right. They're not going to hurt your dog. But those will all go, those all were going to pause Atlanta. So they are always getting biscuits because there's so many dogs in there that need yummy stuff. And of so course. what I did also is I love being able to give back in that way. And like when dogs get adopted, I get, you know, I, I, I've been doing I, I biscuits to give to the person when they're adopted. You give them a little doggy bag? <laughs> <laughs> they get a doggy bag. So, yeah, so it's, that's the fun thing is being able to give because I am a giver. I've been a giver all my life. I've been told I'd give too much, but I can't <laughs> help it. Right. And that's just who I am, and it makes me happy because I can't – if I can't support you um, with cash, with donations – I can always give you dog biscuits and I'm going to make you, I'm going to make some dog and some human very happy getting them. And I love that because I don't think, I think people see entrepreneurs in the main world are the people they go out, they build these big businesses and they make all this money. But what people don't also see is that most entrepreneurs, I mean, even if you look at Bill Gates and, and whatever and how much billions of dollars he has most entrepreneurs are actually really giving human beings they actually really want to go out there and help people and give back and i, I gotta say like i didn't realize how much people and entrepreneurs were not only wanting to make money but giving back we've had people whose brands go directly to planting trees or or fighting unknown diseases and and running a mac and cheese 5k we've had and <laughs> and like you in the pause and we just had a food truck on here and his wife came on and they do um dumb friends league which said the dog thing and and so all these people like all these entrepreneurs every single one that comes on the episode is doing something in the nonprofit world so i think it's so incredible that as entrepreneurs one is we get to do what we want so we get to build a business, and most of the time it's successful um, if we really set our minds to it because failure is not an option. But then the other part is that we get to do the other part that we want, which is give back. In, in my case, it's in Deborah's case, part of our give back um, is the podcast. We want to tell everyone stories, and we want to say, you know, we've been successful entrepreneurs. Let's help other entrepreneurs get their voice out there and tell their stories. And not only that, Deborah and I have become so curious and like we're like oh my gosh like that is so helpful to know we thought that we were the only ones going through that or you know there are other people out there that care about doing the right thing like we do for the environment and for animals and for whatever your cause is and it's so amazing and you so know, i wonder if the 
large percentage of entrepreneurs who give back and not that other people don't either. And, you know, I'm sure every, there's a lot of generous people on the planet, but I wonder if the component though is as an entrepreneur, we don't see things as finite. We see it as though there's a whole slate and we can kind of write our own story. We can pivot in different directions. We can add new product lines. We can add new companies. We can go lots of different directions. So I wonder if that concept of like, things aren't finite. It's not just like we have our paycheck period. It's like, it's open. It's open to what we could do. I wonder if that's part of what plays into some of the generosity that we see with so many of these entrepreneurs who've come on the show. Just a Yeah, I think that you need to pick and choose. Right. I mean, and if I'm going to give you, I'm going to believe, if I'm going to gift you something, I'm going to believe in what you're doing. Like right. it has to hit somewhere in me. Like last night I went to my old, um, I went to my high school and one of my employees is actually does color guard. And I I sponsor their color guard this year. That's is cool. What is crazy, the color guard? But, just cause I don't know. I'm sorry. Uh, did you say the color guard? Color guard. Yes. They, they dance and they th- spin rifles and play flags and, <laughs> do um, interpretive dancing and it's amazing but who would I mean so I gave twofold I gave back to my high school and I gave back to my employee to support her team that's so, so fun and I'm sure that meant a ton to her right because you're vested in her life and I mean yes she gets her paycheck and whatnot but it's it goes beyond just the working environment to like you going into her life and that's a really you know makes you I think that makes you a great employer Oh, well, thank you. And Karen, you, I mean, you don't have to, but I do. Right. I care. It's a choice. People. <laughs> I want to help. I mean, you're helping me and I wouldn't have you part of my team if I didn't care about you. Right. You know, and doing what you do. So, you know, and then giving back to, you know, I wish I had lots of money to give, but if I can just do the dog biscuits, satisfies my soul right there because there are so many dogs that are in need and I never thought you know when I first started this business I said I want to be your dog biscuit of choice and then it came I can I never thought that I would be making a difference making a dog biscuit <laughs> and I have cool. that's a great I mean, story though right I mean and that's so fun for you to look back on and see that and be so you know it's something you want to do and you're actually doing it it's amazing right which is, it is amazing. If you knew little me and you see me now, it's I'm um, two different people. Yeah, actually, and I, I wouldn't. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I just wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't change a damn thing. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I love it, and I think you know, and we we're starting to see this also, and there's a trend here, and with Deborah and I doing so many podcasts, is that with the world flattening by the internet and, and things traveling so quickly, we're really, there's and so many more entrepreneurs popping up in so many different industries that, and learning the lessons that we all learn, plus knowing and getting the gratitude of life and the hard knocks that make us appreciate life so much more and have so much gratitude for other people and for the world around us. I feel like we're, there's a change going on and, and that, we as human beings, as entrepreneurs become more and more and there's less and less huge business because of it and we start taking chunks out of it like you're doing with the dog biscuits. You have your own version in the huge dog biscuit company that was probably used to be dominated by a few brands that um, 
we are changing the world. And that, so I love that you're saying that, that your dog visit company has changed the world because that's actually what we're doing as entrepreneurs. We're passing that along to our employees, like you said, by having, by supporting them in their lives like you did in, in your high school and what she was passionate about. So I love that. But my question is this for you. Have you always been very social human being? Because you seem like you go out there and you meet people and you've got this great energy, Lauren. Have you always been social? I have. But what's crazy, I'm also an introvert, which people don't believe. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I tell that to Deborah all the time. I'm actually an introvert. She's like, that is impossible. (laughs) Right. But people don't see it, but you can. Right. But yeah, I am. And when you live in a city as long as you have, living in Atlanta, it's a, Atlanta's a, everyone says it's so big. It's really not. It's six degrees of separation. Everyone knows everyone, (laughs) but everyone helps everyone. And I'm able, the one thing is I'm able to connect people as well. And then it goes back to when my mother said, I'm just like my grandfather. He never met a stranger. Greet him. And I'm like, greet him with a smile. Greet everyone with a smile. <laughs> so I just want to show goodness. And, you know, and depending on the social situation is where I turn to be that introvert. But I love being out and having a good time and smiling and laughing and just being. I love living. And I love that too, because you never know, like your smile and, and your, you could change someone's life just like that or a moment or spare them from something because you've changed them out of a bad mood by just having a smile on your face and going up and greeting them in a, a great mood. You know, it's the opportunity to change someone's day. You know, how, how amazing we, is that? Well, we never know what anyone's experiencing, you know, the struggle to get out of bed. Look, I'm I'm a person that that lives with depression, and I've had to work very hard. And people are like you're depressed. I'm like, yeah, but people don't see it. Yeah, it's I'm not, not something you can about, see. But there's a lot of balance that goes into what I do, and sometimes it is a big struggle for me to get out of bed and to get it going and get that you know get that kickstand going on that you know on your day. But once I do, I rock it out. But it's, it's, we all have our little demons that are inside of us to, that try to, to try to stop us from being our best. Yeah. But being able to overcome them and being successful at the same time is huge. And that's one thing as I'm talking, it's just like resonating more and going, you're right. I've, I've, I see this change in me, you know. It's hard. No, and if you were on stage right now, I'd ask you to drop the mic and walk off the stage because that <laughs> was so amazing as, as we wrap up this episode. I really just so heartfelt. So the last thing, uh, Lauren, that I want you to do before we wrap things up is just, again, tell people where they can get the dog biscuits, but please also quick tell everyone about the nonprofits you have um and and are supporting because i i want everyone to hear it on the episode as as part of it because i think it's such a great cause okay so if i could drop the mic i would boom (laughs) thank you for saying that i appreciate it that meant a lot but it's you know it is just i don't know um so you can buy our dog biscuits at bigdaddybiscuits.com we ship all over the united states and in europe as well you can um Support us, support my nonprofit. At, um, it's Oktoberfest and EAV. And what we do is we're responsible pet ownership. And so we try to, um, it's about adopt, 
not shopping dogs. So we have dogs, um, like four or five different rescues. And we typically adopt out four to five dogs every time we're there. And we have, we have small businesses like that show up as well and food trucks. And then my nonprofit that I, that Big Daddy Biscuits support, Paws Atlanta. They're the largest non, non-kill shelter here in Georgia. And, um, we like to go over there and walk the dogs if we can, but we, we give dog biscuits to the dogs that get adopted. We're about to do one of their walk and wag walks. Um, I think it's May 11th. We'll be there handing out dog biscuits to everybody. Um, I don't know, but if you have a dog, you know, we hope you try our treats because you could eat them too. I love that. I love the one for me, one for you for the dog biscuits. And I will always remember the, the story of the guy putting cream cheese on his dog biscuit and then and eating it and then giving one to his dog. The cheddar and chive, was it? Garlic. Cheddar, cheddar, cheddar and garlic. <laughs> yeah, she, it was a cheese and garlic biscuit. And it was, yeah, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was the man. So, you know, <laughs> That's it was amazing. awesome. And right? so, Lauren, right. I love what you're doing and I love your story and we'd love to get you back on in a few months and continue to tell your story and where your business goes. So I appreciate you being on and all the audience, please share what we're doing here and share Lauren's story and share this episode. And if you have a dog, try the dog biscuits. I think it's amazing. And this, I'm Justin Bazaar. I'm the host. This is Justin and the food entrepreneurs. Thank you, Deborah, for being my co-host always. And, um, Everyone have a nice day and please share and pass on the love that we're giving through this podcast. Mm -hmm.